good. Well, good morning, good morning. again. Good morning. Man, I'm, I'm actually really, really thankful to see a lot of the ladies because apparently there was a big party last night <laughs> that some people came in like, I'm so tired. I'm like, so we're going to have to talk about the women's gathering. This is the reason we do it every other month and stuff. So uh, ladies, you don't want to miss it when it comes around again because apparently big stuff is going on there and stuff. Guys, we're just going to cook meat and shoot guns. I just want you to know that. That's <laughs> <laughs> maybe blow up some stuff. That would be good. But, hey, I'm, I'm so glad you're here this morning. Um, and, and I'm so glad. If, if you haven't been here, we have been going through the seven churches in, in Revelation uh, and all these churches. And, and it was the idea that we are called to be different. That there should be a difference in us if we say that I'm a follower of Christ. And so there, there should be a difference. And because of that, there should be a difference in the church. And again, I say this every week. I just want to remind you, the church are not these walls. Um, everywhere where Scripture talks about the church, it is the people of God. It's the ecclesia, the gathering of God's people, the gathering of people that have been kind of set apart and, and, and should be different. And so there should be a difference when you come to church and you see people from church or you know people at church. Unfortunately, too many times, um, especially in like Western culture, we kind of say, well, I have a T-shirt or, or I just I go to church. My family was a Christian, and so I am. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that. It is all about the way we live our lives out, and it should be evident that, that God is who you follow. And all that. And so, so just to remind you too, again, where we're talking about, um, this is modern day Turkey. Um, you can see Rome far off, uh, uh, over way over to the corner there. But we've been talking through all these churches through modern day Ephesus and Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, and today we are talking about Philadelphia, um, the city of brotherly love. By the way, that that's not where they get that. I, I just want you to know. And everything, but but this is where we're talking about, and, and, and again, John is writing this as he's been exiled on, on the island of Patmos, um, and everything, and God gives him this vision and this challenge for the churches that, for these churches, but also for, I really believe all my heart, for the churches today, and, and how we should be different. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter 3, <coughs> excuse me. Revelation chapter 3, um, we'll be studying verse 7 through 13 um, this morning. But if you don't have a Bible, we have them available for you. Please grab one. Um, if you like electronic devices, you can use your electronic devices. We have Wi-Fi here. Um, it just says GBC Guest. Just type in Find More, all lower caps, and you can connect to our Wi-Fi. Um, there is no reason on this planet for for people not to have access to God's word anymore. I'm sorry. I I've, I've been in places where there's like no electricity and people have cell phones, okay? <laughs> and, and everything. And so we just because I believe all my heart and, and I know with all my heart that the only words that really really matter this morning are these words. I mean it's it's the only authority we have. It's the only authority we have to be a church. It's the only authority I have to even stand before you and speak. And so um our kind of tradition here, and out of respect and acknowledge that, I'm going to ask if you'll just stand with me as we just read God's word together um, and hear what he has to say for us to us this morning. So in Revelation 3, starting at verse 7, John writes, and he says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write the words of the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, 
and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which, come down, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Will you pray with me? God, I just thank you this morning once again for the opportunity to gather. I uh, thank you that you are here waiting for us. God, as we open your word, as we dive into this, Father, I just, I ask, God, would you give us wisdom? Would you give us discernment? God, would you fulfill your promise that your word never comes back void? Fulfill your promise that it is sharper than any two-edged sword and will pierce even the bone and the marrow, just go all the way through. God, have your way this morning in us. God, I pray these words would be your words and not mine. Hide me. God, it's not important what I say. Or, or what I do, God, it is all about you. So, Father, we ask, Father, for ears to hear, for hearts to respond, God, and for the courage to live out what you're calling us to be and to do. And, God, may you get all the credit and all the glory this morning. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So as I said, we've been going through all these churches, and I, I got to tell you, I have, I have enjoyed this so much. And if you're around on Tuesday nights, we're going through the rest of Revelation, which I am enjoying. And everybody looks at me like I'm crazy because Revelation, for a lot of people, they look like, that's scary. There's like dragons, and a third of the world is like destroyed and stuff. I'm like, that's cool. Because that means Jesus is coming back. And I'm not afraid of anything because the good news is, is we have the end of the story. <laughs> And so we have nothing to fear, but in the midst of that, and as we approach that, man, I just feel we have to be ready. I feel it's so important today, more than maybe any other time in history, is for the church to be the church. And we have an opportunity to love and to show grace and to show mercy and to live holy lives and show that there is a difference when I do things God's way instead of doing them my way. And so I, I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed um, this this thing, but let, let's talk about Philadelphia. There we go. Um, th this little church in Philadelphia, this city, um, again, just a little history, kind of culture, what, what's going on. It, it was kind of known as the gateway to the east. Um, it was kind of the, the roads to like Fergia and a couple other cities all kind of merged there, but really this was kind of that central space that if you wanted to start going to the far east to trade, um, that was Philadelphia. It was a beautiful city. Um, everyone loved it. In fact, it was kind of like a vacation spot actually, in, in this region. They had um, volcanic activity, so hot springs, and so people would come for the hot springs. And their patron god was Dionysius, which is the wine god. So you know that this was a vacation spot. And so people would come there and, and, and enjoy and, and everything. But it's interesting, Philadelphia was also a missionary city. But not for God, not for Christ. It was, it was more for the Hellenistic view. Like, how do we spread this Greek thought, the Greek gods, the, and all the system, and everything? And this was like the launching point for missionaries 
for everything else. It's kind of like the Salt Lake City, <laughs> you know, for our Mormons and stuff. Have you ever been to Salt Lake City Airport and stuff? We were there one time trying to catch a flight, and we got put on hold and missed our flight because it was missionary day for the Mormon church. And they got preference, and they got on the plane, and we missed all our flights. But that's really, that's, that was Philadelphia. That was the thing going on um, here. But also in Philadelphia, this wasn't a large church. It was a small church. And they were facing persecution, but not unlike all the other churches that we talked about where it was kind of inside, they were facing persecution from the outside. And people were kind of pushing them and, and trying to push them down and shut down this church. But it was all coming from the outside. In fact, Philadelphia is one of two churches where we don't see, I have this against you. You know, we, all the other churches, there's a problem inside the church. Philadelphia and, and, and one of the churches, the only churches that uh, Jesus is saying, no, you're good. And everything. But they were facing a lot of pressure from the outside. And, and I believe with all my heart, that if we're being the church the way God intends us to be the church, that we are going to face pressure from the outside, and it's going to grow. I mean, it's already happening in places, and it's coming. And fortunately, we live in a place where we are free to come here and worship today. And we're not worried about anybody busting down the doors and taking us off to jail. But there are more places that are like that, and more and more and more. And so that, that's kind of Philadelphia. So, so I, I want you to take notice of the greeting um, this morning. Look at verse 7. Every one of these churches, G Jesus greets the church. Um, last week, the greeting was not really all that great of a greeting. It was like, listen, you guys are in trouble. Um, Sardis, you're horrible, and we're going to fix this right away, or you're, you're in trouble. But Philadelphia, I want you to look at this. It says in verse 7, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, The words of the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. I, I love this because this little tiny church that's struggling, this church that's dealing with all kind of pressure from the outside, Jesus, first he says, I'm the holy and true one. Now, holy automatically, like it's Jesus, yes, holy. That is the definition of holiness. But it's interesting, in the New Testament, a lot of time we don't see that phrase, um, the true one. It's not usually a tied to a name, but Christ says, this is the true one, which means that you can count on me. I will follow through, and I will keep every promise, and I will keep every word that I've ever said to you, or I've ever promised you. I will keep it. You can count on me. I am reliable. And if you are a follower of Christ this morning, and you are here, then that should make your heart smile. Because it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what this world does. Jesus says, you can count on me. Amen. See, I can tell you something. There will be moments, if you're at this church long enough, I'm going to fail you. I'm going to mess up. I'm human. I'm fallen. God is redeeming me. He's restoring me. He's making me perfect. But I'm going to mess up. But there's one thing that I know, no matter where you go on this planet, no matter where, what's going on in your life, you can count on Jesus. He is reliable. And, and then he goes on, he says, I hold the keys. Who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. The, the other thing is like, not only can you count on me, but I'm in charge. And no one can interfere with what I'm doing. Nobody can stop God's plan. They're going to try. 
and they have tried, and they're going to continue to try, and they're going to think, I can outsmart them, but it's never going to happen. In fact, there's places in the Bible that says no one will thwart the will of God. No one will stop. And so he holds all the keys. I mean, that's good news. That is exciting. That's like, I'm on the winning team. <laughs> I don't really have to worry about it. I mean, even, I mean, Jesus, before he even says, I hold the keys of life and death, I hold the keys of death, so you don't have to worry about this anymore because I'm in charge. You can count on me. I'm going to keep my promise. And no one can stop me. And that should make us just smile. If you don't hear anything else this morning, I'm going to tell you, there's nothing the world can throw at you. There's nothing anybody can throw at you that's bigger than our God. We can face anything. We can deal with anything because he's bigger. And, and so it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful opening of just reassurance again to Philadelphia. But then we start seeing, okay, so this is such a great church. And there's nothing wrong with it. So how do you get that way? How does that happen? And, everything. and so we start getting this whole thing where Jesus looks at him and says, Listen, I know your works. I, I know your struggles. In verse 8. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power. And yet you have kept my word and I have not and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews or not, but lie. Behold, I'll make them come and bow down before your feet and they will learn that I've loved you. So you have this little church. Sound familiar? <laughs> and, 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 and you have a church that's facing persecution. They're, they're facing trials. But in the midst of that, they held fast. They, they stood on God's word. They didn't waver. Where so many places and sometimes people were denying, said, okay, I'm going to turn back. This is getting too hard. You know, and unfortunately, I, I'm, I'm afraid that there's so many people in our world today, especially in our culture, that when things start getting tough, you know, we just, we like, we, we quit. We're like, oh, that's too hard. You know, I, part of that is the problem. It's like not everyone gets a trophy, by the way. <laughs> When we teach our kids that everyone gets a trophy and you're always going to do great and you're always going to be winning, we are setting them up for a huge shock and a huge bump of failure. And they need to understand this is a hard world we live in. This is a broken world. We saw that this week. We saw that in our own state this week. And there are families that are mourning today. And when I walked on Universal to do my job and to work as a security officer there and get my training this week, everyone knows I'm a pastor. And I had like 30 people come up and like, can you explain this? And I'm like, yes, I can. We choose to do things our way. And God says, okay. We live in a fallen, broken world. And, and, and there are consequences for that. And so I'm, I'm telling you, if you ever go to a church where a pastor gets up and is like, just trust Jesus and everything's just going to be dandy. <laughs> you need to throw your Bible at him because Jesus even said, in this world you're going to have trouble. <coughs> and so Philadelphia faced this, but they held. But do you notice what he says here in, in verse 8 again? He says, I have set before you an open door who no one is able to shut. I know you have a little power. That you, you, you're small and, and you don't have the resources and everything. But I, but who opened the door? 
Who opened the door? You can talk back to me. It's okay. Who opens the door? It's Jesus opens the door. We don't open any doors. It's not by it's not by how much money a church has or how much power you have or how much popularity or how much stuff you had. It is God that always opens the door. It's never by our own strength because we are never strong enough. In fact, that's what the Old Testament says. Look at this in Zechariah 4, 6. And he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Anything that we are going to accomplish that changes the world, that changes things, that has a lasting impact, it is going to be through God's power because you and I were not strong enough. Listen, we can do good things. We can be good people. But if you want to talk about having impact as a church, as a people, it is God that opens the door. It is Jesus that opens the door. And when he opens it, nobody can shut it. It's never us. It's never our strength. It's never how powerful I'm because, listen, I, I know as a pastor, I can sit here and, like, I can study and I can pray or, you know, I can make plans and do all that. But if, it, if I'm relying on my knowledge, if I'm relying on my wisdom, if I'm relying on my strength, I'm telling you, by next month, I'm done. I'll be exhausted because I don't have. See, we, we follow God. If you're a follower of Christ today, you follow a God, you trust in a God that has limitless power, limitless love, limitless hope, limitless peace. There are no limits. And so it's never by our strength. It's always through his. And why is that? Because God is the one that should always get credit. It's never about a pastor. It's never about a program. It's never about that. It is God is the only one that deserves credit. Look, look what he says. He says, listen, I know you're weak. I've set, I know your works. I've set a door open to you. No one's able to shut. I know you have little power, but yet you have kept my word and I'm not, and not denied my name. You know, it, it's not about like, wow, that's a great church. If When people leave here, and stuff, and, and they say, man, that, that is just a great church. I'm, I'm hoping that they mean, like, man, that was a great service because God was there. Like, I like when people tell me, I'll tell you, I like when people say, that was a good sermon, Pastor. And that, that makes me feel good because I've worked hard and tried to do that. But, man, I just, I want people to leave saying, man, it, it wasn't the music, it wasn't the preacher, God was there. See, because he deserves all the credit. He deserves all the glory. In fact, that's what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 1. Listen to what he says. He says, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing, things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him you are in Christ who became to us wisdom from God. Righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written. Listen to this. That the one who boasts. Boasts in the Lord. There is a day that every single one of us will stand before Christ as our judge. 
Whether you believe in him or not, sorry, it's still going to happen. There's a day that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that. I know that for sure. It's written in here. He's already said he's reliable. He's going to follow every promise, every truth that's in here. And so I know that's going to happen. And on that day, we're not going to be able to boast. But I did this. I did that. You know, it's the old, the old kind of Baptist type thing says, if you stand before Jesus tonight, why are you going to tell him you should go to heaven? Why should he let you in? And, uh, you know, that was, an old, that was a horrible evangelism ploy, by the way. But, I mean, it's still, people are always using it. Like, what would you tell Jesus if he asked you, why should I let you in heaven? I'm going to tell you what I can tell him because of nothing I've done but because of everything that you've done. Because you said it's finished. See, I don't boast in anybody except him because in the end it is God that deserves and should get all the credit that's my prayer for this church I pray crazy prayers I'm like God we want to know your power and your suffering we want to know both Lord God we want to do things in such a way that nobody looks at him and says man that pastor's smart and while he had a great strategy and a plan I want people to look at him and says that's impossible except by God that's my prayer because God deserves all the credit in our lives. Listen, do we understand that without him we were dead? We were, we were zombies. We were the walking dead. You can get a part on the show and say, I'm already there if I don't know Jesus. And because we're zombies. We're dead. And through the miracle of Christ and his sacrifice and, and what he gave for us, we step from death to life. Nothing that we did. That's why, that's why Paul says you are saved by grace, not by works. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you've ever done to make him love you less. It is all God. It is grace, this gift. And so he gets all the credit. And he deserves all the credit. You and I were made to glorify God. And that's the way we should live as a church, as individuals. And so it's never, never by our strength. But, but continue to look at this. He says, you know, I'm going to open a door which no one is able to shut. In verse 9, he says, Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and not, but lie. Behold, I'll make them come and bow down before feet, and they will learn that I've loved you. The, the point is, is that God opens doors for us all the time. I believe God opens a door every single day for you. The decision is, is will I step through? It's all about obedience. It, it is God that gives, gives opportunities. And when he's talking to his church, we're not really sure what that open door is. Maybe an opportunity to witness. Maybe it's a greater opportunity to send missions or plant more churches. Or maybe it's a greater opportunity to reach people and stuff. Whatever it is, there's a door. And I, I believe all my heart that every single day God says, I'm going to open a door for you today. See, because I believe you go to your job or you live in your neighborhood or you go to your school or whatever. You're there not because you chose it, but because God placed you there. In his sovereignty, because somewhere there, there's someone that needs to see Jesus. There's someone that needs to hear. And as that video said, you and I are a sent people. You know, I, I say it every single week. If we are not being the church out there and walking through the doors out there that God has opened up and the opportunities that he's given, we will never, ever be the church in here. 
This is not a Kevin Costner movie where it says, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> they will. They will. Everyone wants to see, well, there's a new church there. Let's go and like see and like, oh, that, this is cool. And then they're going to leave. But if we are living this faith and we are walking through those doors out there, they're going to see that it's real to us. They're going to see that we're different. There's something different about us. The way we deal with things, the peace that lies in our heart, the joy that lies in our heart, no matter what the circumstances, they see that as we walk through those doors. And I think as we walk through those doors and we take one opportunity that God gives us, then God gives us another one and another one and another one and another one. And in fact, that's in, in Jesus in the parable of the talents. Isn't that what he said? At the end of it, he, you know, he gave... Um, some guys, he gave them each talents or money in this, flat out. That's how it's translated. He gave each of them money. One guy hid it. He's like, I knew I wanted to be safe with it and everything. By the way, your faith was never meant to be safe or hidden. The other two guys, he gave a little bit to someone. He gave a little bit more. And they both went out and they took it and they invested it and they took the opportunity to give it. And when he came back, look at Matthew 25, 23. He says, his master said to him, well done. Good and faithful, sir, and you have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I think there's too many churches so often. Listen, we are a mission-minded church. Everything I, we do here, I want it to be about mission. How are we reaching to the community? How are we reaching out and doing stuff? But I think there's so many churches, so many places that are looking like, man, we've got to go to like China, and we've got to go to Africa, and we've got to do that. And they have forgotten everyone that lives right around them. God has placed this church here for this community at this time. And to send people out and to grow and go to the uttermost parts of the world. But it's, it's all of it. It can't be part of it. And so if we are being faithful with what God has given us, which I am so thankful that I, I believe we are. God gave us this building for the last two years. And we, we want to move and we have a building fund and we want to get to a larger space so we can grow some more. And we have more space to move. But until that moment that God allows that, we are going to be faithful for what he's given that. And when we do that in our lives and when we are obedient to walk through those doors. When that person comes through your path like I had this week and say, how can this happen? What's the answer to this? And we walk through it. Guess what? God's like, all right, here's some more. Here's some more. Here's some more. It is always a question of obedience. Will I walk through where God has sent me? And in the midst of that, he says, listen, I'm opening doors for you. And by the way, it's not always, some of those doors become painful when we walk through them. Some of those doors, we don't always know what we're walking into. Thankfully, God does, and he's prepared us, and he set us up. But sometimes it, it, it's hard. Sometimes things are going to happen, and we're wondering, like, when the world's going crazy. It's supposed to. Listen, if you get mad at people in the world acting like sinners, I just want to remind you, that's what they are. <laughs> yeah. Stop expecting people that don't know Jesus to act like him. Instead, don't judge them, pray for them, love them, share the gospel, serve them, meet the needs, no strings attached, show them the love of Christ. Because I'll remind you, if, if you're not sure, start reading through the gospels. Every time Jesus faced someone that was away from him, he would go and sin no more. 
But the religious people that were judging everybody, they're like, you're wrong. And he was harder on them. Don't expect people that don't know Jesus to act like him or look like him or behave that way. Instead, show them the better way by the way you live and the way you respond to them. And so as we walk through those doors, the more doors we walk through, we have an enemy that's going to notice you being obedient. We have an enemy that says, man, I don't like that. I'm telling you, I used to tell students, 30 years in youth ministry, I think Satan is more afraid of a bunch of high school and middle school students that are so in love with Jesus and so on fire with Jesus than he is of anything else. Because when those kids are on fire and they are following God with all their heart, they change the world. And I think that's a historically proven fact, because if you look over the history, last 400 years, every major movement, when we see a big revival or some movement, it started with a new generation. Even when the Israelites didn't want to go into, didn't want to go in the promised land. They're big. They're scary. I don't want to go in there. Uh, I know you just parted the sea and you killed the, the largest army in the planet and destroyed them, but they got some tall people over there, and I'm kind of scared. God's like, fine. Walk around for a while until I have a new generation to go and do this. And we have an enemy, and when that happens, and when we're being obedient, understand that we have an enemy that's going to say, I, I don't like this. And so, and so trials are going to come. Look at, look at verse 10. He says, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you are, to what you have, so that no one may seize your crown. I love Jesus. Like, listen, there's a trial coming. And, and, and I want you to know that, yes, trials come, but that phrase, keep you, can be kind of um, translated in a couple of different ways. A lot of times we think that if the bad things are happening to us and the world's falling apart around us, it's because, you know, it's just, well, it's sin and it's everything. And God wouldn't allow me to go through this. And I tell you, God uses the trials in our lives to shape us a lot more usually than the victories in our life. And when it says keep you, it doesn't mean that you're going to avoid every problem. It says I'm going to keep you either out of that trial or I'm going to keep you through that trial. There's an old saying that goes around, you know, sometimes God pulls us out of the storm and sometimes God just carries us through the storm. But the one that is faithful, holy and true, reliable says, no matter what's coming, I will keep you. I will be with you through this. We don't avoid heartbreak in a world that's broken. But when we have our, when we place our trust in Christ, we can get through. I honestly, I don't know how anybody makes it through a week without knowing Jesus. I, I watch the news, I read those things, and I see what's going on on this planet, and my heart just breaks apart because I'm like, how, if they don't know Jesus, are they even getting up in the morning? Because whatever I'm facing, I know he's with me and he will keep me. And so he says, hold on. Another promise, I am coming soon. The, the problem with I am coming soon is his soon and our soon aren't always the same. <laughs> Isn't it funny when you like pray certain things and you're like, okay, by this week, God, I want this to be answered. 
here's the time frame at this time. And then that day comes. I think most of the time, God, when I pray like that, God's like, okay, <laughs> two hours later, nah, just because you said. <laughs> because it's my timing, not your timing. And so, listen, Christ is coming. He is coming back. It's a promise. He's going to show up, and no one's going to have any doubt that it's him. In fact, when it says, I love this, I mean, we read Revelation, we're like, all these horrible things are happening, and, and destruction, and everything, and everything. Did you notice he says, you know, I will keep, in verse 10, I'll keep you from the hour trials coming on the whole earth, to try those who dwell on the earth. Do you know those trials sometimes come because God wants to get our attention? Out of his love for us, he will let catastrophe and stuff so, so we will finally look up to him. You know, knock ourselves on the back so finally we're looking up to him. That's his grace and mercy because he doesn't have to do any of that. We chose to walk away from God and God can say, fine, here's your reward, eternal separation. And yet he still continues. And so the entire book of Revelation really is the fact that God is telling the entire planet, I'm he. Pay attention. I am he. I want you to notice that I'm the one that made you. And so, yes, trials come, but, and all that stuff happens, but he says, hold on. Hold on during that, knowing that he's with you. He will keep you safe. He will guard your heart. He will guard your mind. He will do that if we are trusting him and we continue to be obedient. He's going to stay with us. But he adds a little caveat here. He says, hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. Listen, I believe all my heart that God opens the door. But if you and I choose not to walk through it, remember God's will will never be thwarted. He will find somebody else to walk through it. As a church, if we are not gospel-centered, Jesus-focused, mission-oriented, going out and living the way that God has said, this is the church, this is the way people, he will find someone else to do it. And I believe this is what's happening in our culture today. When you read, like, these churches are closing, these churches are closing, because somewhere along the line, they lost the fact that it's not about them, it's about sharing the gospel, spreading God's word, going out and living this life outside of the walls. And those people said, no, it's all about us and we're going to be a holy huddle and live in our little bubble and do that. Those churches are closing and dying because God's and But at the same instance, God is raising up new churches, planting churches like never before. I'm going to tell you, God's going to give you an opportunity. And if you choose not to do it, you miss the blessing. You miss the, the ability to get to know him more and to become more like him because he will, someone else will step through because God's will will never be thwarted. And so we get opportunities, but man, that same story, the talents, remember the one guy? I hit it. He did not have a good day. <laughs> Take him away. Take what was given to him away. I'm going to give it to someone else that is going to use it. And so we have opportunities every day. And I encourage you and challenge you, walk through those doors. Don't worry about, like, well, I haven't been seminary trained, and I don't know the Greek or the Hebrew. Like, whoopee. <laughs> it's not about you. Listen, that's why I tell our church all the time, listen, all you got to do is cast seed. You just throw it out there. Well, how can you live this way? Well, because I have a faith in Jesus, and it's important to me, and it helps me carry through. And that may be always some people like, oh, whatever. Don't worry about the outcome. You're not going to save anybody. I don't see any nail scars on anybody in this room. And by the way, isn't it amazing to me that when we stand in heaven, 
when we stand in God's presence, that those scars will still be very visible on Jesus. They are scars of honor. And so again, there is no doubt who does the saving. All we have to do is just be obedient and then trust God with what's the outcome. That's all we got to do. He's sovereign. He's in control. And so we hold fast. And when we do hold fast, when we stand on this, there is a prize. There is some that's coming. Look at, look at verse 12. He says, the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven. And my own new name, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Listen, the goal of Christianity is not heaven. We've used that too often, like, you know, where are you going to go when you die? Where are you going to, do you want to go to heaven? Of course, everybody's going to say, I'd rather go to heaven than hell. <laughs> but that's not the goal. Listen to what he says. He says, I'm going to make you a pillar, which just means that the goal of our faith is that we will permanently be in the presence of our God. We will never be have a doubt in our mind that God's not there. Right now, we see kind of dimly through a mirror. Right now, there are moments in our life where we're like, God, I'm not sure that you're here, but I'm going to trust that you're here. Then there will never be a doubt that you were in the presence of the one that made you, that created you, that loved you, that died for you, that would do everything for your good. You will always be a permanent in the presence of God. That is the goal. And let me tell you something. If heaven is four corners, but God is here, this is heaven because I'm in his presence. The streets of gold, the crystal sea, all that beautiful stuff, none of that. I promise you, you're going to sit there and maybe for an instant like, wow, and then you're going to be in God's presence and say, this is all that matters. There's no better place to be than in the presence of our God. Amen. No better place. And that is, that is the prize, to be constantly in that presence. But look what else he says. He says, I'm going to put the name of my God on you. All that means is that we belong. It's a permanent name tag. <laughs> I belong to somebody. I belong to God. I'm part of this family. I belong. I'm not someone crashing the party. There will be no party crashers. There will be those that know him and those that don't. And they will be separated. But he puts that name on us until we belong. And it says, we, not only that, he puts the name of our city. We have a new citizenship. Can I tell you something? I love this country. I serve this country as a veteran and stuff. I am proud to be a part of this country. I'm everything. But this is not my home. I have a citizenship somewhere else. Can you imagine going to the passport office? Like, I need a passport. Because I'm not really a U.S. citizen. I'm a heavenly citizen. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. This isn't my home. If you're a follower of Christ, this isn't your home. This is broken and torn down. This isn't. This is all going to be renewed, made new. I love that. That's, that's the best part of Revelation to me where he says, Behold, I'm making everything new. You know, I, I turned 50 last week and stuff, and, and as I, I know that's not old. I'm still young at heart and everything, but literally when I get out of bed, it sounds like a drum roll. <laughs> 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 I 
I mean, you you know this and stuff. I was at Universal. All these like young kids are like running around security office. Look at that. I walked like 18 miles in three days, and I'm just like, and I was good as, except when I sat down, and then I'm like, okay, help me up. <laughs> so I, I'm 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 longing for something new. I, I'm a citizen of that place and, and and everything, and so I I belong somewhere else. This isn't my home. This isn't my home. So it doesn't matter what they do or say. Paul says we're ambassadors. You know, ambassadors, it's someone that represents someone in a foreign country. If you're a follower of Christ today, you are in a foreign country. Represent them well and truthfully. But not only that, finally, he says, I'll put my own name on them. You and I are going to get a new name. And for us in this culture, names are just not that big of a deal anymore, you know? We're just like, well, that's my name. But, you know, back then, your name, you know, this is who you are. This was your personality. This was maybe your future and, and stuff. So I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm Tony the, the cobbler, you know? I make shoes. That would be like my last. That's how we got our names. It's really like what you did. But Jesus says, I'm going to give you a new name. And I think that name begins with blessed. Beloved, blameless. That's the good news this morning. No matter what you've done, Jesus has a new name for you. Blameless. Perfect. Holy. I don't know about you, but I, I just... I'm seen by my God, my Creator, who I don't deserve who I walked away and said no I want to do it my way and when I turned back when he made himself and he drew me near him and he said this is it and I made that decision my name I ever said did done thought any of that stuff that I'm so ashamed of That's our prize. But it has to do with living a life that's not about me anymore. It's about him. In fact, Watchman Nee, the great missionary to China, this is what he says. He says, outside of Christ, I am weak. In Christ, I am strong. Outside of Christ, I cannot in Christ, I am more than able. Outside of Christ, I have been defeated. In Christ, I am already victorious. How meaningful are the words, in Christ. Listen, you want to be a different people. You want to be a different church. You want to be different. It has to be in Christ. That was the difference in Philadelphia. That's why that little tiny church that was getting so much pressure outside could hold fast because I am, I am more than a conqueror in Christ. I can face anything in Christ. I can do anything in Christ. In Christ makes all the difference. In Christ is what makes us different. And the world sees that. 
And down very, very deep, they say, that's what I want in Christ. I, I don't know where you're at this morning. I, I don't know what's all going on in your life. But we want to give you a chance just to respond. And, and this morning, I, I just want to tell you, if you are a person say, I can't say in Christ, let that be today. Let that be today. Let everything change today. And if you're a person that's like, man, I've, I've gone to church, I've been following him, I'm just worn down and everything, just remember, it's not by your strength, it's his strength. And it's always available. And so wherever you're at this morning, I just pray that, you know, God would just meet you there. I love that God meets us right where we're at. We don't have to do anything for God to kind of meet us. Like, we don't have to clean ourselves up, straighten us up, but he meets us right where we're at, but he loves us enough not to leave us there. <laughs> Which means when I go to church and I'm in God's presence, there should be a difference. There should be something different about me. I don't understand people that go to church that just sit there, sing some songs, and leave, and nothing changes. That is a waste of time to me. And I don't want to waste your time. I'm telling you that that in Christ makes all the difference. And so this morning, make sure that's where you're at. And it doesn't matter what's going on out there then. Because we are his at that moment. Let's pray.